Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from the AS21 Podcast Network. I'm your host, Keith F. Shevlin. Joining me as always is... Hello everyone, this is Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. Hope everyone is enjoying this hot summer, although it's been a lot damper by me than most of you, I'm sure. <laughs> well, if this is your first time joining us, or if you just like a reminder, every month I visit with Paul and we get the rundown of how he's doing on writing his fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. And along the way, we like to share details for you about different writing tips, things about how the book industry works, and just other general knowledge that we think is, should be of interest to you. In the case, this month's episode, which is Chapter 17, Storyline Resolution. So a little bit later, we'll be talking about how to bring storylines to a successful close. Speaking of successful close, Paul, how we doing? Well, sadly, Keith, I was not able to successfully close this month. It has been a rougher month in the work world than I had anticipated. Although this upcoming month of August... I actually have a lot more off time than the month of July, so you will either have a done book by the end of August, or me without my head. Ooh. Well, I, I'm not... That's want gonna, this book done. Okay. Just so you know, I am not planning to take Paul's head. I, I'm sure there will be someone else that will that may do it, unfortunately. I'm putting people on task. Other okay. people will take my head. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it happens. You get downtimes. I know, as, as we talked about in previous episodes, there was the talk between George R. R. Martin and Stephen King where Martin talked about, uh, you know, some days you write and it just turns out crap, or some days you just get distracted and you just, you know, need to step aside. So, I mean, it happens. I, I mean, I've been dealing with my own form of writer's, not necessarily writer's block, but just not having the time to sit down and write for quite a while now, so... I definitely hear, I definitely feel you, Paul, so it's understandable. Okay, so let's do, since this is, you know, just our regular, just you and me episode, it's time for us to look at how we're doing online. Unfortunately, for some reason, our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash published podcast, we've dropped to 113 likes. <clears throat> People, what's going on? Why are you dropping us? Why? We love you. Love us back. We should be adding people, not dropping. We, this is our 19th episode of this podcast. This is not, I mean, we're, we're no, you know, shrinking violet here. This, you should be, you know, coming on and now, now more than ever. Uh, what must we do, people? Let us know. Yeah. Tell us what we must do. Yes, absolutely. Let us know. There's tons of ways to reach out to us, not just the Facebook page, but also Twitter at Published Podcast. Email us, publishpodcast at as21.com. That's A-O-I-S-21.com. Plus, we're also on Google Plus and various other social media enterprises, so feel free to reach out to us. Now, speaking of our Twitter, although Facebook has been shrinking, Twitter, we're doing well. We're up to 46 followers, so that is Woo-hoo! fantastic. Woohoo! Let's see if these are... So, okay, so we have five new followers. We have Connor Grady, at Connor Grady. Ali Zamora, at AliZam13. Joan Caputo at Joan Caputo 2, Hannah Windham at Hannah Windham 3, and The Positive Phil Show at Ask Positive Phil. Oh, that one's interesting. According to the write-up, Human Robot Without Ego, Interviews with Positive People and Thought Leaders, Founder Internet Radio Show. I've always wanted to meet a, ro- a real live robot. Yes. Well, human robot, so we'll see about that. 
<laughs> so thank you for all those new followers on Twitter. See, you follow us, and once every two months, we'll give you a shout-out. So. Woohoo! Shout-outs! Yay, shout-outs. <laughs> so, uh, any other changes this past month? Well, we did have... We have a couple more shows in development for the AS21 Podcast Network, and one of our sister shows, the sexuality podcast Sex Vex Perplexed with the Modern Horror, which is hosted by Eileen Vega, who was our guest back in November. Her podcast has now gone from being a monthly to being a, well, you could even call it bi-weekly or fortnightly. I like fortnightly, although it doesn't roll off the tongue as well. It's a better word. Yeah. So yeah, so Sex Vex and Perplexed is now on every two weeks, so that's every other Wednesday. And we just, we've already had two new episodes on that format. And the reason they were able to transition to two weeks is she added a guest feature. So every other episode, she has a guest interviews where talking about uh, having the guests share their own stories. So usually on a specific topic. And she's doing pretty good with keeping their anonymity, only having them give their first names. So nice. But, uh, yeah, so that's a nice change for the podcast network. As far as events and things, this is, of course, posting on August 7th. We are just finishing up a weekend of events for AS21 creative and poet Michael B. Judkins, whose book Interlude to Sentimental Me came out a couple months ago. He was touring with us this weekend in the D.C. area. And in fact, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Well, first of all, he his book Interlude to Sentimental Me is the sponsor for this month's episode. And Michael will be joining us next month. Because before he did this uh, actually in-person book tour here in D.C. and uh, he'll be doing other events in eastern Pennsylvania, he did what's called a virtual book tour. So he'll be on with us next month as our special guest to discuss a virtual book tour, what goes into it, how it works, nice. tips and tricks and things so that you can either do what he did, which is go sign up with a company that organized it or try to organize one yourself. So we'll have Michael B. Judkins on. And we'll have some a good discussion on that. Very nice. That'll be a good time for all of us. Yeah. So now we're just going to take a quick moment for commercial break for, from our sponsor, Interlude to Sentimental Me by Michael B. Judkins. Hi, guys. My name is Michael B. Judkins. The Interlude to Sentimental Me is very personal collection of poetry of 40 poems then two acts so act one is the heart of love people falling in and out of love seeking love um, wanting love the art of what you love to do the second act is welcome mercury rising it is that stand strong motivational side that creates the feeling of strength and determination don't allow circumstances to keep you from living a dream i stepped outside my own box doing this collection writing something universal I collectively combine these two acts to kind of give a sense of two sides of me as a writer. From the book cover, you know, walking into the forest with the tunnel, that's the interlude to Sentimental Me. You're walking into the unknown. I'm extremely excited about this collection. Interlude to Sentimental Me by Michael B. Judkins is now available at the History Market, Amazon.com, Smashwords, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and wherever ebooks are sold. And thank you to Interlude for being our sponsor this month. Of course, if you want to sponsor the podcast, go to our website at media.as21.com, where we have a number of sponsorship opportunities available. We're looking mainly for anything that has the literary focus. If you have a book that's coming out that you want want to just have us talk about for 15 to 30 seconds, or if you have your own audio, you can send it to us and we'll put it up. We're pretty much open as long as it keeps the literary focus of this podcast. So especially if anyone at Audible would like to sponsor us, we'd be very welcome for that. 
as well. well. Yes. So be sure to check that out. Our home on the web, media.as21.com. There you not only find our main webpage, the links to our sponsorship, our links to where you can listen to us, but also uh, entries for each of our previous episodes. And of course, you can listen to us not only there uh, through the embedded link on media.as21.com, but we're hosted by Podomatic, and you'll find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And, of course, also on our own YouTube channel, where each episode is posted as a YouTube episode, but without full video, just with our our smiling faces and pictures to look at. I don't think we're quite ready to actually take this, actually, you know, record the video of us doing this, so. Yeah. As I've been told many times, I have a face for radio and a voice for the silent movies. I always took it as a face for radio and a voice for newspapers. (laughs) <laughs> That's why I was a journalist in high school and college. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Okay, so now, the topic for this month is storyline resolution. There comes a time when you're writing a book or a short story or novella or pretty much anything. It has to end. It cannot keep going. I, you've reached, you know, a certain thousand number of words or hundred thousand number words or was it two hundred thousand now, Paul? It's quarter million, so 250. <laughs> 250, okay. Yeah, 250,000 sounds way less daunting than a quarter million, even though they're the exact same amount. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, just one flows off the tongue so much better. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, it's it's a heartache sometimes. Um, I will say that there comes, you know, coming to the point where you have to finish up the storyline. And, you know, a lot of my friends know this about me, and I have a very hard time wrapping up my storylines. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, it's that point where it's like, but I could do this, but I could do this. Um, and I have the same problem with reading. Um, it's like, you know, but, but, but there are all these questions I have at the end of any book, at the end of any series, whatever. At the end of every movie, you know, there's always those questions that you don't have answered. Right. And as the author, when you're writing it, you have all those answers in your head most of the time. Most you of the time, not always. <laughs> not all the time, no. Like, I, I definitely fall into the mindset that, yes, we have mo- like, we authors have most of those answers, but we also are all intelligent enough, mostly, most of us, to realize that we don't want to have all the answers. Otherwise, we're going to be writing other things into our set storyline that we don't want to have there. Right. You know, there's that one farmer who was there for that one time, and you know there's going to be that one person who reads your book who's like, what happened to the farmer? Uh... He got married, he had kids, and he died of old age. Heck if I know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know about Farmer Jim. Farmer Jim's gone. I, I don't care about Farmer Jim. Oh, yeah. it's gonna be I mean, I had that when I wrote my first book, Post-Soliloquy. I had a party scene where you're introduced to, like, several people at the party. And then afterwards, I was getting, like, I when it was out, I had people asking me about who some of these people were at the party. I'm like, they're just friends or friends of friends. I mean, if they don't come back later in the book, then they probably don't matter that much. And, I mean, you have friends of friends that you know, but really, I mean, if you see them, you see them, great. But if you don't, eh, it's okay. I had that, I I wrote a short story for a, a 
school assignment once when I was in college. And it, we had to write a party scene. It was that exact thing. And so we, we all wrote the scene, and the professor started asking us all that question. Who are these other people in this, in this scene? Who are these people? What's their backstory? Why are they there? Where are they going? And I, I know it wasn't me because I never talked back that much because I was always doodling and writing other things when I should have been paying attention. I was a very bad student. But someone else did ask, did say that exact detail, which is why I like this. Uh, the student said, when was the last time you went to the party? You went to the party, and the professor, you know, gave her answer, whatever it was, like a month beforehand. And the student asked her if she knew those details about everyone at that party. And the professor said, absolutely. I, there's no way, of course, I, I have no idea. And the student says, and how can you expect that of us? Good point. Student got the A. <laughs> good point. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, that was always a good thing. Um, but, you know, getting back on to our main point of wrapping up a storyline, all these things, well, you know, finally getting to that actual point. I think, for me, it's an emotional time. It's, it's an emotional feeling. There's, it's not when you have a set number of words. Right. It's not when you write that particular scene. It's that it's an emotional balance. That's when I know I've reached the end. It's a balance between I can go on, but I don't need to. Well, it, what really, what really comes down to is deciding what is the storyline mm-hmm. of what you're writing. Right. If you're writing a biography, okay. You have a natural ending. Right. The person died. Maybe you got the funeral, but really, you're done. Right. The Harry Potter books, each one were framed within that year at Hogwarts. You had one school year and the summer beforehand. That was it. Yeah. So, basically... If they had anything unresolved at the end of the school year, and guess what? They did every single book. Mm-hmm. Too bad. I mean, that's just what you have to look forward to in the next book. Right. And that's it's just true of... In fact, well, that's really what a good story... A good story should not wrap up everything at the end of the year. Right. At the end of the book. It's just like a, t- a, a TV series. You should be left with questions at the end of the season. And I don't mean, you know, they shouldn't be asking a big question in the final uh, couple minutes of the last episode of a season for you to think about all through the summer. <clears throat> Walking Dead. Uh, or also Dallas, The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> how many times has that been used? Who shot JR? Who shot Mr. Burns? Who did Negan kill? These are all. They, did did Riker destroy Picard? Uh, you know all these things. They're <laughs> cliffhangers, and television can do it a lot better than books can. Right. I don't know. I mean, as, you know, now that the Wheel of Time series has been wrapped up, you know, my favorite book series to read these days. Mm-hmm. There are so many questions that the reading the reading masses have. for that one. It's like, what is going to happen to the, to these, to the surviving main characters? Mm -hmm. Uh, 
where, you know, are their paths ever going to merge? You know, we have, you know, one character, you know, actually we have one, two, three, we have about six or seven main characters going off to lead nation states, one of which is technically supposed to serve the other, but that's only an agreement between the rulers and the pe- the the people who follow one don't agree to that. Right. Have wars going to start? And so there's all these questions that all of us readers of it have been like, "Well, what's happening?" And yeah, no. yeah. Well, then there's like, oh shoot. Well, I've, I've been reading the Narnia series by C.S. Lewis. Oh, there you go. Each one ends when the Pevensies or you know whoever the human is from Earth is in the story, when they go home. Yep. And I'm only on the silver chair, so only four books into the series. Right. But I, it's a logical conclusion. But you don't get... Well, and only in the first... Well, the first book, technically the first book in the series, Crown, uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, which is actually the second book chronologically. Right. Uh... That's the only one where you see anything after they get back. And that's, you know, them knowing that they can't get back in through the wardrobe afterwards. Right. But in all the other books, especially like in Dawn, Voyage of a Dawn Treader, they get back and they're back. Yep. I, I, Voyage of a Dawn Treader actually gives you a good, this actually in the final chapters, they do a lot of good, uh, covering what's going to happen to some of these characters in the future. But that's mainly because uh, when C.S. Lewis was writing Voyage of a Don Treader, he knew his next book, Silver Chair, was going to be set so much farther in, in Narnia's movie. history yeah. that he might as well cover some of, you know, let's not leave it until Silver Chair to tell us who Caspian got married to. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, especially since you just met her in, uh, in Don Treader, so. Yeah. But so that's, it's all what storyline you're trying to conclude. Because when you're writing, you may come to the end of, when you're going to the end, it's like, where are you stopping? And what specifically are you stopping? If it's a crime thriller, it, it, did you catch the bad guy? Or, or not. You can, may not have caught it. You just may have, it just may be years before you hear from that person again. So it wraps up at, you know, the end of the trail, as it were. Right. So that's all. I had all things to consider. Like, my first book, Polk Soliloquy, technically, I the storylines we're following is his love triangle between the two women that he has an attraction for and his search for a better job. And the book ends, the final chapter is him going home from one of his early days at a new job, but also having spoken to both girls and, you know, kind of resolved that. So basically, there were... Th- three storylines, each of the relationships with the two girls, and getting the new job that all had resolved, but they all resolved before the final chapter. Mm-hmm. But the final chapter actually ends, and I'm sorry if you were really, like, waiting to read my book, but I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it right now. <laughs> the very final thing in the final chapter of Polk's Soliloquy is him being on the bus riding home and striking up a conversation with a girl named Sarah. Now, if you know, well, if you know presidential history, and I doubt many of you do, 
or at least to this level of presidential history, proving that I am forever a dork. <laughs> Polk is named for 11th American president James K. Polk. James K. Polk's wife's name was Sarah, so I specifically chose that. So pretty much him meeting this woman is the close to his previous infatuations with Gwendy and Corinne because he's finally moved on and that this woman will now be. Uh, though they just met on the bus, you just see their first meeting on the bus. It'll lead to more. Now, of course, one thing I did throughout the book is whenever I meet somebody, I describe them. You know, describe their hair, describe their look. I did not describe Sarah. Mm. And that was on purpose. Because this, that was just, that was the key moment when that's, those storylines all came to a close. And now a new story was going to start, but I wasn't prepared to go into that story, so it, I was, had reached a conclusion. So essentially, the start of the next story is the closing of the story before, which, which happens a lot. I mean, you see that a lot in movies and TV shows and all that. That's, those are the natural ebbs and flow of the storyline. One thing that I recently got to enjoy is I got to, uh, I, I read up, I am a very different kind of nerd and dork. I play Dungeons and Dragons, uh-huh. of course. And so I recently, I follow up on other people's campaigns, other people's games, and they had a story ending moment in what I was reading up on that I think is the, is a really good example of a story ending when no one expects it to end. Mm-hmm. They had uh, this character who basically played chess with them via their encounters and would always wrap up by humiliating them and saying check. So one of the characters got really, really involved in beating that character who always beat them. Okay. And in the fashion of the storyline for playing Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you who do that, he managed to finally end it and beat the character by killing him and himself. In a murder-suicide pact. Oh. You know, which, no, which, for those of you who play Dungeons and Dragons, your characters can die, and sometimes there are ways to get them back. Most of the time, there is not. And the way he did it, he ensured that the villain, who was playing them, died permanently, along with his character. You know, which I find that when you are wrapping up a storyline, there's a balance there. Because I've read a lot of stories where you predicted the ending. Like, I'm going to, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. If, if you did not foresee the fact that Harry was going to die early on. Right. Have that magic duel and saw him using Spelliarmus to win again after, you know, to completely redo the fourth book. Right. You should have seen that one coming. Where, uh, you know, but that was, but that was an excellently done one. In other ones, completely unforeseen ending, well done. But other ones, foreseen ending, terribly done. Unforeseen ending, terribly done. It's just a balance of your storyline and all your wrap up. But I, you know, try to get that balance of what you can foresee, what you can't foresee, and how well your readers react to it. Mm-hmm. I always like to think about and delve into. Right. I mean, but then again, you know, it's with the different things that both that you that you write versus what I write. There's a you know with soliloquy, the way you write it, you know, being more hyster historically, mm-hmm. hysterically. No, not hysterically, historically. Oh, it depends <laughs> historically. on depends on what you think of me. Yeah. 
right. <laughs> more historically relevant and you know following an actual you have actual facts to research right so you have a certain number of things that you have to follow through with whereas with high epic fantasy the moves limit well yeah i choose to in that case that was a contemporary fiction book but i used historical touch points to help shape it i mean i didn't have to make I mean, I, I'm not, t my main character, Alice, he, he was just named after the former president, didn't have right. to find a woman who had the same name as the former first lady, but it just, it fits better in my mind. Right. It, fits be it fits better in your mind, It show and it fits better with the reader's mind because of that, I think. Right. You use those historical touch points in a way that built the story and aided in everything. Right. Whereas, you, and I, I, there have been a couple I read I can't remember which one it was. I read it a while ago. They was they were using some historical research, and I was just like, "Why are you mentioning these historical references? It's mm -hmm. it's not helping me at all. It's throwing me off." But anyway, well, so so you've heard our advice. Now let's talk. Now I've got a few different online guides. So we have here from the Huffington Post: five unforgettable ways to end your book, and one you should never use. So let's Ooh. see how this does. Number one. The trusty plot twists are great alternatives to inserting last-minute characters who fix anything, like a deus ex machina. A plot twist offers the unexpected, but the key difference is that it makes sense within the story's world. It could twist feel surprising, but somehow appropriate for the story and protagonist. The oh no that leads to the aha, life is crashing down on your protagonist, the weight of the story's conflict is becoming too much to handle, and he or she simply isn't up to the task. Everything is surely doomed. Congratulations, your character is in the story's darkest moment where someone or something must serve as inspiration for rising up against all odds and saving the day. In these desperate times, your character searches within, has a eureka epiphany, and ends your story with triumph and satisfied readers. Mm. Number three, going back to square one. This path takes your protagonist to the same dark moment already mentioned. But when given a clear opportunity to turn his or her life around, the character doesn't. Instead, her or she reverts back to old ways or the status quo. This type of ending works best if you're writing a character-driven novel. Uh, I've seen I've seen ones like that. Uh, I'm trying to think what comes to mind. Uh, it, it's tough because you want character growth, you want development, and that that one pretty much shuns it there. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Number four. Is this really the end? Open-ended endings are tough to pull off and require quite a bit of character and plot understanding, but leaving your readers with thoughtful questions can get them talking and thinking about possible answers. And then, That's dangerous. Yeah. Number that one's very dangerous for an author because I definitely have seen a few series that should have ended when the author planned on an ending. Mm-hmm. They let they leave it off on that point. Open ending, ending, fantastically done. So many questions. You're happy with it, but these days, because there's such instant access to authors, right? And we and because your audiences can't be so vocal, you just gotta write that next book. Uh, and that's and unfortunately, uh, this past week we saw that regrettably with the release of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Oh, uh, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching. You're it. not I, the only one. I'm hearing a lot of people that uh, are not are staying away, and others that have and wish they hadn't. 
because the key thing you got to know is this is not JK's book. Right. She may have helped write it, but it is not her book. It is not her style. And what a lot of people are saying that have read it, they don't get her. And they don't get how to write these characters. But the thing is, remember, that storyline concluded. You had a storyline that took seven books to cover. And although I mentioned that the individual storyline of each year, but you had the major one with He Who Shall Not Be Named, Mm -hmm. which could mean one of a couple possible people for us now, unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, once that was resolved, the series was over. There was no need to carry it on anymore. And And we got, you know, anyone who complains about it not wrapping up, you have the epilogue. Yes. She did not need to write the epilogue. She could have ended it with him getting his sandwich from Kretcher Mm -hmm. and it being done. She did not need to write 17 years later you know, oh, he's successfully married. Fantastic. He has kids. Oh, that's amazing. He did, in fact, marry Ginny. Yay. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Of course. Anyway. Well, and the key thing also about that is people were guessing where Harry was going to get, and they could have been fine with their guessing, but she decided, no, I'm not doing that. He's not going to be the dark arts teacher at Hogwarts. Nope. <laughs> he, they're not, you know... He, <laughs> this isn't going to work out exactly as you want. And even in her Pottermore site, she's even expanded on it. Uh, for those that haven't looked, apparently, I, I'm not sure of this exactly, but I remember hearing this. Is it that Ron and Hermione end up getting divorced? I don't recall that detail, but I do know that like she released like a whole bunch of random details about people's lives. Harry and Ron went to become Aurors, yeah. if I remember correctly. Arthur went on to help out their surviving twin at the joke shop and did fantastically well there. Umbridge went to prison right. for crimes against wizards and muggles and being a horrible woman. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Neville became the herbology professor, right. but we knew that from the book. Luna married some other guy and went off to find Nargles. And, you know, they're like, there's, she's released so many random details that, you know, the only reason she's doing this is because there are billions of people following her world. Right. You know, no other author does that. Right. Well, I know she stated in interviews after this book came out, she is done. There will be no more from a Harry. She was very specific. No more yeah. from a Harry. Right. That does not mean there might not be more from Harry's children. Or Ron, or Hermione, or Jenny. Yeah, because, I mean, even, like I've been saying with Narnia, the, the Pevensies were done I mean, first Peter and Susan were done after Prince Caspian. Yep. And then Edmund and Lucy were done after Don Treader. Yep. And they passed it off to Eustace. Yep. And, but then, of course, they did go back in a later book, but that one was actually set back in the t- earlier timeline. But yeah, their stories were finished. Yep. So who knows? There might be more still from J.K. Rowling, just no more about Harry. Now I'm getting off track here. Back to the final good way to close your, end your book. Number five. Close the book. After the final climactic moment, don't hang around explaining this is what happens after. Readers tend to lose interest once the stories reach a satisfying conclusion. Well, I mean, yeah, that's just logical. Yep. That's, it, I, mean, I will say, as I was complaining about earlier, but that's what the Wheel of Time did. Yeah. You had the final climactic moment, and 
a chapter later, cha- two chapters later, it's done. And he's like, wait, what happened? What comes to mind in mind on this is Return of the King and oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Of course. It just kept going. Not just the book, but the movie, too. The movie ended like five or six different times. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on the, the Return of the King. Okay. Because I was, I you know, one of my big things was at the end of The Hobbit, Bilbo returns home after being gone for a year, right. and people are selling his house. I love that little detail. Oh, so at the but end, that's fine. But you know, that's... after the return of the king, I was expecting you know, oh, all four of these guys have been gone for a year. What's happened to their world? Oh my God, Saruman has taken over. Right. You know, that was my reaction, and so. Yeah. And that was in the book, not in the movie. That was the book, right. And so I love that in the book. And I will say that when I was watching the movies, I was watching for that scene. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen. I will say that's the one thing that made me dislike those movies is that they did not have Saruman and Wormtail take over the Shire. And then, you know, Samwise using the soil that, you know, the queen gave him, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, it all comes down to the fact that it, having hindsight twenty twenty, right, or twenty twenty million twenty million, right. uh, we now know that Return of the King should have been split into two movies, right. And just because, I mean, they didn't do a good job with Faramir's character, they cut out, and they cut out all that stuff back at the Shire, right. Yeah. Okay. Now, the way that this HuffPost article recommends not to end the book is... Now, they say a trusty plot twist is a good way, but they say do not use deus ex machina. Okay. They do not wipe out all conflict by inserting some benevolent force in your story at the last second to right every wrong. Mm. While this may have worked for ancient playwrights and storytellers, nowadays most readers will consider it, at best, lazy, and at worst, cheating. Okay, so moving on, I have a couple more. I'm not going to bore you guys by going through a bunch of them. We're already at, oh, we're getting pretty long already. Six ways to, from writersedit.com, six clever ways to achieve the perfect ending. There's a resolved ending or an unresolved ending, an implied ending. Well, an implied ending, I think of, uh, I, I know I keep on going to movies on this, uh, Inception. Yeah. He gets his kids back, but then, the top is spinning. We don't know if it's actually the ending. I mean, it's the end of the movie, but we don't know if he's still dreaming. Right. Twist in the tail, that's the twist they're suggesting. Tie back where you come back, you know, you bring it back to where it begins. They give you as an example of the star by Arthur C. Clarke. The beginning shows a main character in pain, and the ending ties back to the cause of his pain. And then number six, Crystal Ball, where you jump beyond the ending. That's like J.K. did with... The epilogue. With the epilogue, yes. Now, uh, I have one from the NewYorkBookEditors.com, The Art of the Last Line, How to Find Your Story's Ending, specifically getting the last line right. Now, I consider by far my favorite last line in a book I've ever read is uh, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Mm. And that's when he's looking out and he sees the light across the bay of the house of his cousin. Yeah. And 
and then the final line and the boat beats on ceaselessly into the past acknowledging that the story is over and everything that came before it is done I will say that my the couple books that I like to have my favorite last lines would be um, the last book in the Black Jewels trilogy by Anne Bush, Bishop mm-hmm. Queen, in, Queen in the Darkness Queen of the Darkness um I and I like I can't remember the last line off the top of my head, but it's basically reiterating point that she has made in all three of books of that trilogy. Basically, how the main female character says the main male character's name. Okay. And you know, she said his name. It sounded like a promise. It sounded like a warm caress, that type of thing. And that's how she wrapped it up. Wrapped up the whole trilogy, which I thought was very well done. Um, and then for Another one, uh, the book God's Demon by Wayne Barlow, I believe, uh, is the author. He wraps it up with one of the main characters seeing seeing something that was the turning point in the, the other main character's journey, let's say. Like, this is what, that is the point that started the change. Mm-hmm. And he sees that this thing has to get done. And he and he says this is where it will begin. It's basically that's basically how the book ends. And I think that's a very well done point there. That that very well written last sentence. Right. Well, I just looked over the other articles I brought up, and they all pretty much said some of the same things. So really, for the sake of not re- repeating ourselves, let's just get to the ending of this episode of the Publish Me podcast. There we go. So thank you all for joining us for this chapter seventeen of the Publish Me podcast storyline resolution. As I've said, next month we'll be back with a guest episode featuring Ace Tournament creative and inspirational poet Michael B. Judkins, where we'll be talking about his experiences doing a virtual book tour. Woo-hoo. And perhaps Paul will have an ending, new ending to be telling us about. Yes, I'm aiming for it. Yes. All right. And that will be the, this of course is, oh, I didn't say it at the top, this is August 2016, so that will be the September episode coming out September 7th. Yep. So look forward to that. Remember to reach out to us. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash publish podcast, Twitter at at publish podcast. You also find us on Google Play and our home on the web, media.as21.com. You can catch up with this podcast on our website, on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash publish podcast, where each episode is posted usually a day or so after it, it gets posted online regularly. It takes me a little bit longer to do the video setup than just doing the audio work. And always, any questions you have, you can shoot us an email at publishpodcast. If you want to shoot a question directly to me on Twitter, I'm at kfshovelin. Paul isn't on Twitter, so just go ahead and send your hate mail to publishpodcast.as21.com, and I will pass it along. Send me hate mail. I'll take it. See you next month for Chapter 18, Virtual Book Tours. I am your host, Keith F. Shufflin, publisher and chief creative of AS21 Publishing. Thank you for listening. As always, this is Paul Dickinson Russell. Have a great month. And remember, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. We'll see you next month. Copyright 2016, AS21 Publishing, LLC, all rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?